Imagine anyone receiving a gift of 408 diamonds of the best water, and then a few hours later, describing the gift giver in unattractive terms. The recipient would sound rude, ungrateful, and ungracious. We expect that gifts lead to some warmth and generosity toward the giver, if not official favors. Such private generosity, however, could violate the posture that the diplomat is supposed to have toward the leadership of the host country. The allegiance ought be firmly to America. At the level of basic human intercourse, Franklin owed something to the king after receiving such a gift. These subtle sympathies threatened to corrupt Franklin because they could interfere with his responsibility to put the country's interest first in his diplomatic judgments and cloud his judgments about French actions. The concern held even though Franklin never planned to return to his post. Americans started their experiment in self-government, committed to expanding the scope of the actions that were called corrupt to encompass activities treated as non-corrupt in British and French cultures. Disappointed with Britain and Europe, Americans felt the need to constitute a political society with civic virtues and a deep commitment to representative responsiveness at the core. They enlisted law to help them do it, reclassifying non-corrupt, normal behaviors from Europe as corrupt behaviors in America. During the Revolutionary Period, the Americans not only created a new country, but crafted a powerful political grammar. The concept of corruption in Franklin's America drew on old traditions but augmented them and gave them power. He and his cohort believed that if you don't take care to support public emotional attachments of those in power, you can't build a representative government. When they spoke about corruption, the framers focused on the moral orientation of the citizens and representatives, the most essential building blocks of the Republican state. Other political traditions focus on the more material problems of stability, anarchy, inequality, or violence— The American one focuses on the virtues of love for the public and the dangers of unrestrained self-interest. As I show throughout this book, this commitment to a broad view of corruption stayed largely the same in the courts for the country's first 200 years. Corruption is often equated with modern criminal bribery and extortion law, with kickback arrangements between mayors and contractors, and with officials who accept cash to change votes but it plays a larger social and political role. The snuffbox incident demonstrated the belief that temptation and influence work in indirect ways and that corruption is not merely transactional or quid pro quo, as it is sometimes called. The law that governed the portrait in a snuffbox also exemplifies the founder's preference for a certain kind of anti-corruption rule. These rules, which I call structural or prophylactic, cover innocent activity as well as insidious transactions. They stand in contrast to laws that require corrupt intent to convict. They work through changing incentives before the fact, instead of punishing activity after the fact. In the Gifts Clause and dozens of other constitutional provisions, the framers built their bulwarks against corruption through structural rules— For instance, the residency requirement in the Constitution limits the freedom of people to run for Congress to where they live, but is a worthwhile rule because it protects, imperfectly but practically, against adventurers.
Instead of requiring a jury to determine whether Franklin was, in fact, in secret communications with France, or whether there was, in fact, some whispered, explicit deal, the only demand the prophylactic gift rule makes is that no gift be given without congressional approval. The particular word corruption has a long tradition of playing an important role in our country's political transformation. Charges of corruption and its variants were an essential force in the creation of the Constitution and part of almost every debate about governmental structure. In the first hundred years of the Republic, the problem of corruption drove key decisions about how to structure government and business and how to restrain self-interested legislators. Corruption rhetoric dominated the Jacksonian era. Corruption rallied people to pass several of the post-Civil War constitutional amendments.